0: Tonight, as we look into the section that I have here, we're going to see that Jesus is still battling these Jewish leaders that he's been battling all through the book of John. Constantly, he's in conflict with these guys because they don't like him. They really don't. And tonight, he confronts them again with that unbelief, that, that unbelief that he is deity, that he is God, that he is God in flesh, that he is Emmanuel, that he is equal with God And he makes promises to you and I tonight. We're going to look and we're going to see those. And also we need to realize that he he represented God to this dying world. And that you and I need to represent Jesus to this dying world. Let's all stand up as we honor God's word. As we do all the time when we search into the scriptures. I'll read a few verses and then we'll pray and we'll get right into it. It was now winter, verse 22, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Let's pray. God, thank you again for another opportunity to open up your word, the bread of life. To look at it, and not just look at it, but to apply it to our lives. I pray that tonight that you would have me speak the words I need to speak. The words that I'm not supposed to say, I'm not going to say, Lord. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would touch the lives of my brothers and sisters tonight. You'd bring life. You'd plant seeds of life in each and every one of them tonight. Thank you so much that you are our good shepherd, Lord. And we will follow you wherever you take us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all sit down? It's interesting that Hanukkah, you guys know what Hanukkah is, right? It's coming up here pretty soon. Matter of fact, John Maccabees started it or instituted it in about 164, 165 B.C. And they would celebrate Hanukkah for about eight days. And it would always come on the 25th of Kelsley, which is the Jewish calendar. It's usually, if we're looking at it, it, usually kind of falls somewhere around November or kind of December. I had Jewish friends when I grew up. I, I went to high school and grew up in Culver City. We got, had a lot of Jewish people there because of the studios. And I was always envious of them because they got gifts for eight days. And I celebrated Christmas. So, you know, we only got it on Christmas. But it was c- commemorating the purification and the reopening of the temple which was defiled by the Syrians. It is winter time. And that's what John wants us to know. Probably very cold. Could have been rainy. It even snows in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem where he is. It can snow about two or three inches. And Jesus was walking in the colonnade. I think we have a picture of it. We got a picture of it up there, guys? There it is. <clears throat> and that colonnade uh, is uh, on the east side of the temple there. It's a covered porch. And uh, it's where a lot of the apostles did a lot of healings. I think I have a picture of Jesus there too in the colonnade, don't I? There you go. See how it's kind of got a little porch area is what it has right there. So it would be protected because of that time of the year. Maybe it was raining. Maybe that's why it was there. But a lot of the apostles did a lot of healings there and was a great place for people to teach and open up the scriptures and that what Jesus would do from time to time. It's very interesting. In verse 24 it said that the people surrounded them. They kind of ganged up on them a little bit, or at least that's what I kind of sense here. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a massive amount of crowd before and stuff, but it can be very, very intimidating, especially if you're the person that they're coming at. That's not a good thing at all. So he was experiencing that. They were surrounding him, kind of ganging up on him, and they were pressuring Jesus to answer their question. And that's what, that's what these Jewish leaders would do from time to time. They would constantly be bathing them with questions to try and trap them because they wanted to kill him. In other words, they were kind of in his face and they kept bugging him and kept just prodding him over and over and over again. They wanted Jesus to say that he was the Messiah. Why? Because then they could kill him. Then they could kill him. Let's look at verse 25. It says, Jesus replied, so this is right after they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Here's Jesus' reply to them. I have already told you, And you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them From the Father's hand. And then he says this as they're all listening to him The Father and I are one. He says right there that I am God. He's already told them that he's the Messiah over and over again. That's what he says to them. He says, Guys, I've said this to you before. The problem is that they just don't want to believe that he is deity. He's claiming to be equal with God. Jesus tells them that they had many, many opportunities to believe. To believe his words and to believe his works. You know, before I gave my life to Christ, you know, I had people sharing with me about what Jesus could do in my life and what he did. And I I would continually just reject that until that one day I opened up my heart and I said, yes, I believe. They kept rejecting what he was doing. They weren't buying, as he said at the beginning of chapter that he was the gate that he was going to be the only way that he could get to heaven they weren't buying that he was the good shepherd I think I have a picture of of Jesus the good shepherd I love these pictures I don't know if Jesus exactly looks like it when we get to heaven we'll get to see what he looks like I think we're all going to be a little surprised I don't think we're really going to care listen to what I'm saying here We're gonna look into the eyes of Jesus and we'll probably just all start bawling like a bunch of babies because of the love that will be in his eyes because he has that great love for his sheep. They weren't buying that he was the gate. They weren't buying that he was the good shepherd. Why? They aren't his sheep. They aren't his sheep. His sheep believe in the shepherd. His sheep, as he said, as we've already read here, First off, they know his voice. They know his voice. Secondly, they listen to him. And thirdly, they follow him. We sung that song tonight, Lord. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you go, I'll go. I will follow. That's what sheep do. Sheep follow their shepherd. They weren't doing that. They didn't like the things that he said. They didn't know that he was the true shepherd. John 8 Verse 47 says this, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. That was another time when he was talking to these Jewish leaders and stuff and saying, you're not listening because you don't belong to God. And they said, of course we do. We follow God. Just like the Apostle Paul. He was totally bent on the destruction of the church. He thought he was loving God by going out and destroying Jesus' church, his followers. But he really didn't know God. Listen, people don't want to listen and follow our Lord. They really don't. You know why? Because they don't like him calling the shots. They really don't. That's what it means to be Lord. That's what it means to follow a shepherd. You go where he leads you. If he says you stay here, you stay here. If he tells you to move on, then you move on. He calls the shots, that's what he does. That's hard for some of us to do, to follow him, to listen to him, to maybe do something that we don't think we should probably do, but he knows it's best for us. He knows that's what we should be doing at that moment. These leaders had a real problem with him. They really did. He wasn't qualified. They looked at him and and they just didn't believe that that he was the Messiah that they wanted him to be. He wasn't meeting up to their expectations and their vision of, of what Jesus was supposed to look like. He wanted him, they wanted Jesus to destroy the Roman Empire. That's not what he came for. He came to die for us, to go to the cross. It's hard to live up to people's expectations, isn't it? It really is. It's tough, really tough. My dad had this vision of what I was supposed to be when I was a young man and after I graduated high school, and that wasn't my vision. That wasn't what I wanted to be. I love what Pastor Jeff said a while back ago, because I was a senior pastor for 18 years. All pastors are not the same. You know what I'm saying? Jeff and I are different. Pastor Jeremy, Dustin, all the other pastors we have, we're all different. Each and every one of you are different, and God has made you the way you are. And what do I mean by that? Is God gives you personalities. You don't get to choose them. Some of you guys are bubbly as all get out and crazy. You are. You know, Pastor Jeff, he's pretty crazy. <laughs> I had a pastor who discipled me, one of the guys that I, I helped go out and start a church with. It, boy, he was so much like, like Pastor Jeff. They just love people, just, they just love people, it's crazy. It's personalities, and it's amazing what our personalities do. They affect our emotions, our thinking, our actions. We don't all think the same, do we? We really don't. We don't act the same way. We don't have the same emotions. My, you know, my family goes, you don't have any emotions. I go, I have emotions? Maybe not what they think I should have, but we're all different. I'm pretty much just staying pretty straight like that all the time. I'm good in a crisis, and they love it when there's a crisis and dad's around. But he promises some things to them, eternal life. You won't perish in your sins, and no one will snatch you out of the hands of the Father. There's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. Death, life, principalities, demons, angels, nothing will do that. I think what he's talking about there is that protection from from the wolves, protection from predators that would come in and try and, like I said, rob us of the things that God has given to us. The blessings of family, of church, of brothers and sisters. That's such a wonderful thing to have. Jesus wasn't a hired hand. He was the real deal. He said he'd laid down his life for his sheep. Laid down his life for his sheep. That's what pastors will do. They will lay their life down. You know, this this section talking about being snatched out of, uh, no one can take and snatch you out of the Father's hand, it it doesn't mean you can't fall away. It doesn't mean you can't walk away from Jesus. I'm not talking about that you're going to lose your salvation because I walked away from Jesus three months after I got saved. My wife, who's not here tonight, she was my girlfriend, and she dumped me right after I got saved. Think about that one. And I'm going, God, I thought everything's supposed to work great, man. Give Jesus a chance, and this is going to be wonderful. She dumped for the guy leading the Bible study. He was going after her. I got mad. I jumped right out of his hands. I stayed out of his hands for three, year, for three months. And then I came back. You see, we have free will. We can jump out of the hand of Jesus. We truly can no one can take you out of that, but you can sure jump out of that. And then he said that Jesus, and the fa- that Jesus and his father, that they are one, that I am one. What a powerful thing he said. What he was trying to say there is that, look, we're one in essence, we're one in nature. One in essence, one in nature. That's why they didn't like the things that he said. They're one in purpose, the redemption of mankind, the reconciliation of a lost world. To God, the creator. And bringing wholeness and healing to a world that desperately needs that. Let's go on, verse 31. Let me get a drink of water here. I've been fighting a cold for three days. Verse 31. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. This is the fourth time. Jesus said... At my Father's directions, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? And look at their reply. We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders, I say you are gods, and you know that the scriptures can't be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God's, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into this world. And then he says, don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous work I have done. Even if you don't believe in me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. You know what? I messed up a section here, didn't I? Yep. You know what? Did I do that? Hold on a second here, guys. Yeah, there we go. We're good. All right. I'm a little delirious still, being a little sick. But they pick up stones again, pick up stones to kill him. And all he says to him, he says, look, I'm just following what the Father's telling me to do. I'm doing the things he's telling me to do. I'm saying the things that he's telling me to say. In other words, he's saying, I'm under complete obedience to the Father here. And Jesus asks him, what thing are you going to stone me for? Remember, way back in one of the chapters there, they were going to stone him and kill him because he healed a blind man. He did a miraculous thing, but it was on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And they say to him in verse 33, he said, look, it's for blasphemy. It's not because of the good things you're doing. It's because you're claiming to be deity. In Leviticus chapter 24, we don't have it up there, but Listen. The law said you could stone somebody if they said they were God, or they claimed to be equal with God. They said, look, you're just a man, and you're making yourself out to be God. You're making yourself to be equal with God. Colossians, we don't have that on there, but well, you want to read something about the supremacy of Christ. Read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It's unbelievable. The supremacy of Christ, all the fullness of deity dwelt in him, it says they would not accept that he was god that he was god and that's a big thing guys it's a big big thing there's religions that are out there that come knocking on your door and they don't believe that jesus is god i don't know if you know that or not but they don't believe that jesus is god it's blasphemy to say that he isn't he says look at it, guys it's written in your scriptures the bible that that god said about certain leaders that he called them gods you're saying wow that's a weird verse yeah I remember when I first read that it's Psalm 82 uh, two, verse 6 but in the context when you read it, read it what he's talking about is corrupt judges and rulers of Israel who were representing God to the people remember Moses what did God say to Moses he says you're going to represent me to the people so Jesus is trying to say to them, he says, look, the scriptures, the scriptures say that these guys were referred to as gods. Why should I be guilty if I'm saying I'm a son of God, that I am the son of God? Jesus was sent to represent God to this dying world. And this is the big point tonight. We're going to have a little table talk on this. We are to represent God to this dying world, guys. Do you believe that? Okay. What I want you guys to discuss, probably won't take us too long, how or what can you do to represent Jesus to your world? And what I mean by your world is your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, all right? Talk about that for a while. What or how can you represent him? I love that he says to me, he says, look, guys, this is what God said that he was referring to these judges, these evil, corrupt judges As representing him. And he says, look, your scripture can't be altered. This truth is never altered, guys. It's the truth. It will always be the truth. Okay? I hope you believe that. I know that there's a, you know, uh, younger Christians might have a hard time truly believing that this truly is the word of God. And it can't be changed. That this this is higher than what the world's truth is. The world's truth is a bunch of lies. It truly is. It doesn't match up to what the scriptures teach us. You know, the Internet's full of lies. Our politicians are full of lies. You can't trust people nowadays. You truly can't. But you can bank your life on this. I've been, ba- amen? I've been banking my life on this since 1971, and I'm going to bank it on until he takes me up in a chariot, you know, back to heaven. Amen? You'd be praying that i get to go home that way. (laughs) But people do find it hard to accept that that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he's Emmanuel. See, God has to reveal that to people. That's what happened to Peter in in Matthew chapter 16. You know, Jesus was asking him, all these people are saying, I'm John the Baptist, I'm this, I'm that. He says, who do you think I am, Peter? He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He was saying, you're God, I know it he looked at him he says the father has revealed that to you these men needed God the father to reveal that to them you see Jesus wants these men that he's confronting the unbelief in their hearts to come to believe in him how do you know that because first Timothy 2 4 says God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth the knowledge of the truth is everybody going to get saved? No. But he wants everyone to get saved. And we need to approach people that they can be saved. What I think is happening here is that he's, he's insisting them to just look at, try and understand that, uh, that he is deity, that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. He wants them to look at his life And to look at who he is with an open heart. With an open heart. Because I'm going to tell you something. I believe this with all my heart. That if a person will look honestly at Jesus, they stand a chance of becoming a true believer in Christ. As we pray that God will reveal himself to them. We're all here today because someone prayed you here. You got saved because someone prayed for you. I guarantee that. So we need to be praying for those people that God puts upon our hearts. Amen? It truly does. That'll resolve that unbelief in people's hearts. You know, I taught a while back ago on the four things that'll keep you out of heaven. Pride, being a part of the world system, unbelief, and willful rejection in Jesus Christ. Those are the things that keep people out. Well, let's finish this up. Verse 39. Once again, they tried to arrest him. But he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptizing, and stayed there a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miracles. This is John just making a, a kind of a thing here. John didn't perform miracles, miraculous signs, they remarked to one another. But everything he said about this man has come true. And look at this, verse 42. And many who were there believed in Jesus. They tried to seize him again. What would they want to do? Go stone him. Drag him outside to the city gates and kill him right then and there. These leaders were getting angrier and angrier. They hated Jesus every time they saw him. And that hatred was just getting more and more and more. We always need to remember that anger can lead to violence, right? We just had another shooting. seems like every night you turn on the news or something like there's a shooting here and there's a shooting there. Why? People are angry. That's why they shoot people. Listen what the Bible says, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, and I've used this verse a lot of times because I want you to get this inside your heart. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a what? A foothold to the devil. That's why people go out and kill people. Because that anger just gets building and building and building. And it gives the devil a foothold. He eludes them again. He escapes from them again. Why? Because it wasn't his time yet. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time to go to the cross. That needed to be done on the Passover. And that was going to happen three months from this very moment that you and I are talking about here. God's timing, guys, and you hear me say it over and over again, is everything. His timing in your life and in my life and the life of our church here, it's everything. He eludes him, And three months later, he'll let them take him. He will give his life up. They don't make that choice. He makes that choice, and they take him in the garden of Gethsemane. In verse 40, it says that Jesus leaves, and he goes beyond the Jordan River about where John was baptized, and he stays there for a while. How long does he stay there? Three months. When we get into chapter 11, as we move into there, that now shifts into three months later, and it will be the last week of Jesus' life. So Chapter 11 all the way to chapter 21 is the last week of his life. So half of the book of John is going to be on the last week of his life of what he goes through. Goes on a three-month retreat, and he went with his disciples again. Remember when I used that word, diatribo? That was that, that, that rubbing off, that rubbing against. Well, that's what he was doing with his disciples again, his His apprentices. He was, he was wanting to spend time with them and, and just disciple them a little bit more in the things of God. He just wanted to rub off on him, just as we're to rub off on people. Parents, rub off on your kids. Make sure it's good stuff you're rubbing off. Yeah, there you go, rub off. Give her a little pop there. Too. <laughs> no, i just kidding you. But his earthly journey is about coming to a close. We're about coming to a close on this teaching too. People were truly convinced that John the Baptist was a prophet of God, and he was. His ministry was a point to the Messiah. He was the harbinger, the one who prepared the way of the Lord. And I hope you guys believe this. The Lord's coming back. And he's coming back soon. Amen. You can clap on that. And we need to be the harbingers of bringing Jesus back to this planet. You believe that? Yeah, I think you guys really truly do. And I love verse 42, and then we'll we'll pray. It said, many followed him. We're singing that song tonight. Many followed him, and it said, many believed. And that's what we want to see. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have called us to represent you to this world that we live in. We are. We're your representatives, Lord. And I pray that you would use us, you would use our life, wherever we work, wherever we do things, where we go to school, whatever, that people look and say, man, there's something just different about that person. I wonder what it is. Help us to represent you in a good way, Lord. I truly pray for that. I know that there's a lot of unbelief in this world. I know there's unbelief sometimes in us as Christians. Help us in our unbelief, Lord. When the hard things happen in our life, help us to believe that, God, you're gonna do something good out of it. It might be years, it might be 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but we can see your hand in, in, in everything in our life, Lord, as we look back. Help us to listen to you, good shepherd. Help us to hear your voice. There's so many voices speaking out there nowadays. There's so much white noise and loud noise and all of that. It's hard for us Christians to hear you, Lord. Help us to get into your word because that's where we can hear you. Help us to get into our, 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 our closets, our prayer closets, and pray because that's where we can hear you. We want you to guide us, Lord. We want to go where you want us to go. We want to do what you want us to do, Lord. Help us to go and do what you call us to do. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. I pray blessings upon them, Lord. And I thank you that we and our sins have been atoned for because of you, Jesus, going to the cross and shedding your blood for us. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.